Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. The title of my message today is this, Prayer Exposes You. Prayer Exposes You. Even in the title of it, it doesn't make us feel comfortable. Exposure in the presence of God, listen to this, exposure in the presence of God is the first thing to happen when it comes to your intimacy with him. A lot of times we go into the presence of God, into our time of prayer, our time of study, to get God to do something for us, to get God to move in our life, to tell him what we need. we got a long list. Here it is. My wife, my husband, money. Job, kids, right? We got the list. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the reality is that should be last and this should be first. God, what do I need to change? God, how do I need to grow? God, what areas within my life need development? God, I still have a desire to lie. God, I still lie. God, I have a desire to lust. I still lust. I need help. Help me, God. See, the problem is a lot of Christians do not pray because you get exposed. And so then you, in the fear of being exposed to God, don't go into a place of prayer. And so you don't pray, you don't spend time with God, because you know that when you get into that place, there's things in your life that he's going to want you to change before he can move in your life. See, we want God to move, and guess what? I guarantee you he's already told you what to do, but you haven't done it yet. And say, so oh, I'll, just, I'll, I'll take some time away from that. Maybe he'll change his mind. Have you ever noticed that when you get back into that place, he takes you right to the same thing that you have an internal problem with? He won't change. He ain't going to give you more. He ain't going to do more until you allow his word and allow the spirit of God to work in your life. The Bible says this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to read a series of scriptures. And for the sake of this, I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's important. I'm going to read line upon line, precept upon precept. Okay, we're going to stay according to the word. We're going to let the word speak for itself today. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, But I, brothers, this is Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. We know that the letters or the... These uh, letters that Paul wrote were to local churches, okay? And so it is for us still today. And this is to the church of Corinth. They were the Corinthians. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Look at this. He's saying, are you not only behaving in a human way or a carnal way, a fleshly way? Can I help you today that the church can still operate in a carnal way? The church can still operate in a fleshly way. If we don't subject or submit our spirit or our flesh to the spirit, 
We will walk after the things of the flesh. We will walk in the flesh, and then we will produce the works of the flesh, which is adultery, idolatry, lasciviousness, which is just basically partying, pride, arrogance, anger. All these things are works of the flesh. And it says this, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not just being human? What is Apollos then? What is Paul? He's saying, look, you say you, Paul, you follow Paul, you follow Apollos. What, who are we? We're just messengers of the gospel. Who am I today? I'm just a messenger of the gospel. It's not about me. It's not about Paul. It's not about the writers of the word of God. It is about God. It is about Jesus. And here he goes. He says, Servants through whom you believe as the Lord assigned to each. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Who gives the growth? God. Paul said, I planted the seed of the gospel in your heart. And Apollos, he watered it through teaching, through training, through development. He was pastoring them. See, this is what a pastor does. He gets into your life, and he teaches you and trains you, equips you for the work of the ministry. But who gives the increase? God. So let me help you today. You have to get in the presence of God. You have to get in intimacy with God. You got to take what you learn and go into the throne room of God. The Bible says this, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's Hebrews 4.16. You as a Christian have to have boldness. Come on, say boldness. Where do you think boldness comes from? In his presence, from him. See, when it comes to being an effective member of the body, when it comes to being an effective Christian, when it comes to effective prayer, it's going to take boldness. Boldness. So Paul's saying here, I planted, Apollos watered, God gives the increase. He will increase you. God is the one that increases his church. Let me help you today. Programs, special events, Entertainment, all those things is not going to grow a church. God is the one that causes increase. It's when you teach the word of God, when you teach sound doctrine, when you allow the gifts of the spirit and the Holy Spirit to have his way, when you are a church that is not idle, when you are a church that is not stagnant, when we're not just a bunch of busybodies just having church for the sake of church, I get to get my little group, I get to get my little club, my little prayer group, but we never do anything but just build ourselves up. We become spiritually fat. Oh, man, I know the word. I can pray every single word in the Bible, but when have you led someone to Jesus? It's not about just becoming something in Christ. No, it's about us becoming nothing and him becoming something. And this is why an unbeliever or an unsaved person can't take you seriously. Because you get in a place of arrogance and pride and say, look at me. And we don't do it necessarily 
Intuitively, we do it out of ignorance. We don't try to be that way. That's not the goal. But the reality is this is what church has become in a lot of areas. We have gotten away from the word of God. We have gotten away from the power of the Holy Spirit. We have gotten away from a life of prayer. We have gotten away from the seed that has been planted within our heart. Now, listen to this. It says this. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. You are God's fellow workers, God's fellow workers, God's field, and God's building. Think about this. You are working not to become something, but you are working with him so he can be exalted, right? Right? Everything you do today, does it show that? Does your job show that? Does your business show that? Does your marriage show that? Does the raising of your kids show that? Because what is your labor? Those are your labor. That's what you labor for. You labor for your family. You labor for the body of Christ, for this region. Everything is working together with him. You are laboring with God. Everything. When we go into a place of prayer, it's not about the long list we have. It's about God, how do you need me to pray? What do I need to pray in this moment? God, put a desire in my heart, a burning in my heart. God, what is it that I need to begin to pray over? Because God already knows your heart. God already knows your needs. We see that in Matthew 6. He'll take care of your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. You are also God's field. Think about the field. That field is going to need some labor, some work to. Talk about the field of your heart. You're going to have to go through some seasons in life. There are going to be some seasons of overgrowth that needs to be cut back. There are going to be some seasons where it's bare. It's barren. Come on, you may be in a season like that today. But guess what? The seed's in the ground. The seed's in the ground. Now, you may not be able to see it budding yet. You may not be able to see the fruit of it, but it's in the ground. And when I'm talking about seed, the seed of his word, it's in you. Now, you've probably not seen any produce yet, no fruit of it yet. And that's fine. But it will continue to till the land, continue to allow the word of God, continue to get into that place in the presence of God through prayer, through intercession, through time, through intimacy. Oh, man, that stuff will begin to grow. And it will also protect you. It will protect you. And then it says, you are God's building. Now, think about this. Verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me. God gives what to us? Grace. What is grace? A grace is an empowerment. Grace is favor. Grace is blessing. Grace is the ability to fulfill what God called you to. So today, if you feel like I'm unqualified, I'm unable, I don't have the ability to do what he's called me to do, you're in good company. None of us do. None of us do. It's because of the grace of God that you will be able to fulfill what he's called you to is because the grace of God that you are even saved today. You had to believe 
and that grace given to you, that free gift by faith. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, by grace through faith have you been saved. Without his grace, you can believe all you want. You ain't going to be saved. Without grace, you can do everything in your own effort. But what is it going to amount to? What is it going to become? According to the grace of God given to me. So Paul recognized this grace that he had. And he said, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. He's saying, like a master builder, someone that knew what he was doing, led by the Spirit of God, knew the Word of God, I laid a foundation in you. Who is that foundation? Jesus Christ. He's laid a foundation in these people, in the church of Corinth. This is what he's saying. If you notice in the first part of the chapter, he's talking about how you're not spiritual people. I long for you to be spiritual people. I long for you to grow up, to mature. To where you're not just having milk, but you can actually get some meat and potatoes. You can grow in the word of God. How true is this even now within the church? That the church is so surfaced. The church has no depth and knowledge and understanding of the word of God. And even when we do get amount of revelation and understanding, we use it against people. We use it as a defense mechanism. We use it as a way to attack people. But not in this church. Not in our body. Not in your life, no. See, as you grow and as you develop and come to the knowledge and the revelation of his word, oh, you begin to see what it's for. It's to build his kingdom. It's to love and have compassion on every single person you're around. It's to bring the truth of the word of God to their life. That's why God has graced you. That's why God has given you his word. That's why God has given you his spirit. That's why God wants you to spiritually grow. He wants you to lead and influence others. And let me help you today. You may not feel like a leader. You may not feel that, that God's called you to anything. That's wrong. That's deception and that is a lie. God has called you. God has graced you. But you're going to have to get in a place of prayer with him. Because what does prayer do? If you notice in the Bible, the disciples asked Jesus this one important question. Teach us how to, why did they ask that question? They could have said, teach us how to bring dead people to life. Teach us how to open eyes that are blind. Teach us how to open deaf ears. Teach us how to, you know, withered hands. We want to see them grow. Teach us how to walk on water. Teach me how to make fish, fish and loaves to multitudes of people to multiply it. They didn't ask that. They understood the source of his power. It was prayer. Jesus prayed so much that they saw that because of who he was and what he did came from his relationship of prayer. He prayed. Teach us how to pray. See, we want all the things that Jesus did, and the thing is, you will. The Bible says that great works has he's done, greater works shall you do. Starts in a place of prayer. It starts in a place of prayer where Paul's speaking here about the foundation. It says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. How do I build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, the seed that's in me? First off, it's through prayer. Prayer. Pray. Pray in boldness. Pray with fervency. Pray with a desire. Pray with perseverance. You must pray. See, when we 
get an understanding of intercession and we have a desire to intercede on the behalf of people, God will put literally people within your heart to pray with. Who's ever had that before in the middle of the night where God put a desire and a yearning and say, wake up and start praying? Anybody? I pray more people get that way. See, the problem is we're so distracted with life that God is saying, I want you to pray, but you have no time to pray. How many sleepless nights have you had just because you were praying? You knew by the Holy Spirit. You were praying. You had to. There was a burning desire. God, I pray right now that there are intercessors in this house. It says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. So who builds upon the foundation? Who does the work? We do. We do the work. And where does the work come from? It comes from being in his presence. It comes from being in him. Because the reality, the work that we think it is, it's not the work the way he sees it. The work is rest. The work is trust. The work is confidence in me. The, the work is rely on the Holy Spirit. Let him lead you. Let him teach you. Let him guide you. See, work to us like, I got to get out and do something. No, it's just believe, trust, and through that place, you will produce works. Because if you do the other, you're trying to do it in your own strength. You're trying to attain something, reach something. You're not going to reach it. You won't. Now, the Bible says this. Now, if anyone, or sorry, verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he's saying, look, there's a foundation laid in you already. I've laid a foundation in you. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. And nobody can lay another foundation which I already put in you. He's encouraging them. But if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, or sorry, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, notice three of them are different than the other three. You got gold, silver, and precious stones, and then you have wood, hay, and straw. Verse 13 says, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one or what each of you have done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, built on the foundation of who? Jesus Christ survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Notice this. This isn't a talking about an unbeliever. This is talking about a believer. He's talking about someone that already has a foundation of Christ. Now he's talking about how you build your life as a Christian. We know that there is a judgment seat of Christ. This doesn't determine whether you go to hell or heaven for the Christian. This determines the rewards you get for how you lived on earth. And some people are going to barely get in by the skin of their teeth. But you're going to get in. Don't worry. But see, how you live on this earth matters. How you build upon the foundation or the seed that's in you matters. How you live out what Christ has put in you and what his word says you are is going to determine the rewards you receive in heaven. Notice this, when it comes to the foundation, he uses gold, silver, and precious stones. Paul is 
literally giving a picture of a building or building materials used as the same in the construction of the temple that we see in 1 Chronicles. This building is what God builds in his people with the help of his fellow workers, meaning pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, God's fellow workers. They're helping build this building with God. Precious stones doesn't necessarily mean jewels, but fine stone materials like marble and granite. And mixing the wisdom of men with the wisdom of God and the work of the building of the church is like using alternate layers of straw and marble in building. When we try to use the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God in building our life, it's like using straw and hay and marble and gold and silver, putting them together. Well, when the fire comes, when the testing comes, let me tell you, the wisdom of man is going to be burned up. And what stands is what was built on Christ through the wisdom of God. See, straw, hay, and wood... These are inadequate building materials. And it is similar to our human wisdom and the things that we do carnally and within our flesh that in the reality has no place or should have no place in our life. If how you view God today is through your natural intellect, is through right here, let me help you, you won't understand him. You won't. And this is why so many people do not give their heart to him. You won't be able to understand even the word of God through your mind. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. Truth of what? The truth of how you see it? No. The truth of his word. This is why you can't reason or argue and debate with a sinner or with an unbeliever. Because they are not going to be able to see it. Now, you will be able to, and the Bible says it, to give a defense for what you believe for. Why? So that they will come to repentance and draw close to God. Definitely, this is why we preach the word of God. So we can't come to the conclusion, well, everyone's, they're already picked. I know there's some doctors out there that the sovereignty of God has already picked people. We have the elite, they're saved. Whoever whoever picked it today, if you picked, or you didn't get the opportunity to choose God, he chose you. Now, there is some truth to that. But you still have a free will to choose Christ. But we don't use that as an excuse to say, I don't have to evangelize. I don't have to tell anybody about Jesus. What will happen will happen. No. We have to be a witness. This is why he's even giving you the spirit of God. In Acts 1 he says, I've, put, I've given you power to what? Be a witness. See, the fire will test each one's work. When God tests your work, it will be revealed of what kind of work it was. Just as fire will destroy wood, hay, and straw, but not gold, silver, and precious stones, so will the work of some be revealed as nothing on that day. Lord, Lord, I preached in your name. I cast demons. I laid hands on the sick. Lord. God, I got my house. I got my car. I took care of my family. I did everything right. What would you do for me? What would you do for him? How does your life adequate to the kingdom of God? 
Are you just worried about the economy and the currency of the world? Are you focused on God? How can I build the kingdom? That's like when it comes to giving time, I find it interesting that most people have issues with it. And I'm talking about Christians. An unbeliever, I understand. But a Christian still has some things within them where it's like, it's because they haven't responded to the word of God yet. They haven't opened their heart to the things of God yet. Because the reality is we should want to give everything that we have. Because everything you have is from him and for him and to him. It isn't mine. Money's money. It's a tool. It's a resource. I don't care about money. I use it for the kingdom of God. This is the attitude and the heart we should have as Christians. How am I going to live, though? How am I going to make a paycheck? How am I going to raise my family? How am I going to buy a car? How am I going to buy a house? Don't be anxious about anything. Trust in the Lord. Don't rely on your own strength. I mean, these scriptures we quote and we know and we say them all the time, they become just common to us. It is truth. It is his word. This is what we live out. I'm not worried about how I'm going to get money because I'm going to work unto the Lord with everything, every fiber in my being and serve him and God will take care of me. God will take care of you. When you give your all and everything unto the Lord, he will take care of you. But what if I go through a season of lack? Give glory to God and praise him. Because you probably will. You may even have to suffer a little bit. But I can suffer knowing that Christ is with me and Christ is in me. Knowing that it's not going to last forever. What good is faith if it's not tested? See, we think we go to th- we're, since we're a Christian, we won't go through anything in life. Where did you re- where did you read that in the Bible? The, the men of faith, the generals of faith, what you see in the Word of God, they went through a lot. Their faith was tested nonstop. Some were martyred for their faith. Thank God we don't live in that time. See, we, we look at these things like. Uh, uh, you know, I don't have to worry about that. I don't think about that. See, and some people call this type of message hardcore. This is extreme. But in the world, when we preach about other things like making money, we go to extremes when it comes to making money. We'll sell our soul for it. <laughs> I work 16 hours and miss my whole life with my family for it. When it comes to my own aspirations and dreams and goals, I'm going to do everything I can. But when it comes to things of God, for some reason, it's like, uh, here's two hours of my time this week, God. And we expect to experience God. We expect to see God move and work in our life when we don't give him anything. See, I'm closing. This is about coming to a place of intimacy and relationship with God as a church. This church is called to pray. This next year of harvest is about the church praying. Matthew chapter 9, it says to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers to do the work. This church, I believe the spirit of God is saying in this hour is to come to a place of prayer. Next year, we're going to do a fast, a corporate fast as a church, and I'll talk more about it. Next year, we're going to have a lot more time of prayer and getting close to the Father. 
Because we need a word from God. We need to be in a place where we know his will and his purpose. And guess what? Out of that place, we're going to live. We're going to work. We're going to enjoy life. We're going to do everything out of that place. It's going to happen within this church. It's going to happen within your home. It's going to happen within your heart. That's what I'm prophesying over you. That's what I'm speaking over you. That you as an individual, as a, as a member of the body of Christ, get to a place of prayer and intimacy with God. That your relationship with God is not superficial, that it's not fake, that it's not just covered up with a mask. But you expose yourself. The title of this is that prayer exposes you. When I get into the presence of God, the very weaknesses and things within my life begin to be exposed. Fire will expose you. If you've ever seen gold and fire, what happens is the dross begins to come out, begins to be, the impurities begin to be removed, it becomes shiny, you begin to even see your reflection. And this is what happens in a Christian's life. When they come into the fire of God, the presence of God, it begins to remove the impurities. It begins to remove things within your life. And then you begin to reflect Christ within your life. The beauty of our God is this. In verse 16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You are the temple of God. Say that out of your mouth. I am the temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. You're not alone. He will, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 26 that he even bears witness that he is interceding on your behalf. Not only that, Jesus, our high priest, seated at the right hand of the Father, is interceding for us. He's our advocate, our mediator, mediating between God and man. And because of these two pictures of the Holy Spirit and Jesus interceding, the believer has to get to a place of intercession for himself, for herself, for the body for their family, for the region. It's not about just religion and traditions. I pray every day. I pray over my meal three times a day. I say my midnight prayers, my morning prayers. It's become repetitious, but it becomes common. No, it's about getting in that place and saying, God, completely undoing yourself, saying, God, I'm here. I love you. How can I pray today? When's the last time you prayed like that? When you went to the presence with no agenda, no preconceived ideas, you just go in there and say, God, what do you want me to pray about today? God, give me a, give me a burning within my heart to pray over something. Who is it? What is it for? I yield my life. I yield my mind. I submit mine. And you just begin to pray in the spirit. The Bible says, and when you pray in the Holy Ghost or in the Spirit and tongues, you build yourself up on your most holy faith. The Spirit of God dwells in you because you are a temple. Thank you for listening to today. 
If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.